Have you ever heard of the expression frenemy before? A frenemy, it's like a combination of a friend and an enemy. I heard this first several years ago when I was working in the high school. The students sometimes would talk about their frenemies, these people that they're kind of close to but still have some tensions with. Maybe some of you have frenemies. We can think, for example, this morning, based on what Jesus is talking about in the Gospel, we should perhaps think or consider this question, who is an enemy in my life? Or maybe a frenemy, if you don't feel comfortable with kind of naming that. But who is an enemy in your life? Just take a moment to think about that. Who's someone that you have a real difficult time with? Someone maybe who's harmed you, did something bad to you? Who might be an enemy in your life? Now consider Jesus's commandment or kind of instruction. When you think about that person, Jesus says, you need to love that individual. Sound pretty easy, right? Today's gospel, of course, is one of the most challenging teachings for us as followers of Christ, that we're called to love our enemy, that we're called also in the face of persecution to turn the other cheek. So this certainly is a difficult and challenging teaching, but we can, I think, have a couple misconceptions about what Jesus is saying. So maybe we can just clear up these misconceptions first and then get on to how we can actually follow this in our life and see the great challenge that is there. So the first misconception, I think, with this teaching is that when Jesus says that we need to love our enemy, that person maybe that you were able to think about, Jesus is saying we have to have good feelings about these, this person. We must kind of have warm emotions towards them. Or perhaps if we're unable to feel good towards that individual, we're not loving them or we're not truly forgiving them. A very common thing that comes up sometimes in conversation is someone will be talking and they'll say, okay, I have a hard time loving my enemy. I have a hard time forgiving. And ultimately they'll say that they don't think they've forgiven or are loving their enemies because they're still hurt there, because they bear resentment or anger. We need, I think, to distinguish between forgiving someone and the process of healing. We cannot control our emotions in that way. It's natural, of course, that we're going to have hurt feelings to someone who has done something to damage us or to harm us. This is natural. But when Jesus is talking about love, Jesus is talking about something a little different. Love, as we see in the Gospel, is not really on the basis of emotions. St. Thomas Aquinas said it this way, that to love someone is to will the good of the other. Ultimately, when we love somebody, we do actions that are in favor of them. We do actions to help them and not to harm them. Jesus, even in the Gospel today, gives us a couple criteria of these actions we can do that show that we truly love our enemy. These actions, ultimately, that show this love in action. Jesus says that we can bless our enemy. Jesus also says that we can pray for our enemy. So I think that we're able to know that we've forgiven our enemy and ultimately show love to our enemy when we're able to pray for this person, when we're able to ask God to bless this individual and to help this person in their life. So this perhaps is the first misconception we can have with this gospel teaching, that when Jesus says we need to love our enemy, Jesus is telling us we need to have good and warm emotions for them. The second misconception we can have or maybe challenge or uh, difficulty grasping this teaching is that when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, 
we might think that we can do nothing to kind of resist people who harm us, that we kind of have to just simply be a doormat for people. And this, of course, has real implications. We see in the news, of course, every day the tragedy that's unfolding still in the Ukraine, this war there, wars all over the world. Is Jesus saying to us that you don't have kind of the opportunity or even maybe responsibility to resist persecutors who violently harm others? In the church, we, of course, have this tradition to grapple with this that we call sometimes the just war theory about kind of speculation or kind of uh, theorizing about when war, which is always a tragedy, might be necessary at times. And this just war theory tries to grapple with the fact that Jesus tells us to forgive our enemy and also trying to hold this intention with the fact that we have a responsibility to defend life. And this just war theory, as it's developed, teaches us ultimately that war can never be on the offensive, can only be defensive. When we go into war, for example, we have to make sure that no greater harm comes about. Kind of criteria like this are used to consider when war might be. It's always kind of a tragedy, but ultimately when we need to do this, when it might be necessary. So Jesus then is not talking about the fact that people don't need to defend themselves at times. This might be necessary, but as recent popes, especially in throughout the years, the last hundred years or so, have taught us, war is always a tragedy. War is always a failure. War ultimately doesn't bring about the peace that we necessarily long for. So Jesus then in the gospel is not saying that people who are under attack, people who are harmed, even, you know, if people are on the street and someone is trying to harm them, they cannot defend themselves. What Jesus is ultimately saying in the gospel is that true and lasting peace can only come about through nonviolent resistance, through forgiveness, and ultimately aiming to love our neighbor, to pray for them, to bless them. We see throughout history, if we kind of dig back in any sort of conflict, that for many conflicts, maybe even most conflicts, it's hard to know exactly how it begun. This war, for example, broke out because of a previous war. That war broke out because of a war even before that. The same too in our lives when we see these conflicts with our enemy or our frenemy, it's hard to know actually how it started. Kind of there's this tit-for-tat sort of behavior that can continue. Gandhi, of course, was a great example of what this nonviolent resistance looks like in practicality. He provided this nonviolent resistance to oppressive forces. And he would say oftentimes that an eye for an eye makes the, makes the world go blind. An eye for an eye makes the world go blind. So ultimately, war will never bring about peace. Violence will never bring about peace. When people try to harm us in our life or say bad things about us, responding in kind with violent words or actions will never bring about true and lasting peace. Ultimately, what can bring this about is forgiveness and this nonviolent resistance. When we choose to respond to someone who is harming us with peace and with tranquility and trying not to respond back with violence, we ultimately unmask the bad that is there. We put that evil on display for all to see and for that person hopefully to recognize it as well in their lives. Ultimately, it's only forgiveness peace that can bring about this tranquility in our own families, in our workplaces, and ultimately in the world. We pray then today for that grace to forgive, 
that Jesus ultimately gives us a very difficult teaching. We can consider during this Mass that person we identified, maybe our frenemy or our enemy, and ask God for the grace in this Mass to pray for that person. We recognize that hurt feelings may never really go away. That's a process of healing. But we pray for the grace to be able to pray for this person, that God will bless this person, that God will bring about good in his or her life.